Amen. If you could take your Bibles and go to the book of Romans, please. The book of Romans. Last week I talked about the subject of the law of the spirit of life. In fact, in this passage here, uh, in chapter 8, you have the Holy Spirit mentioned 19 times in this chapter. And that's quite significant. Uh, Really what, after all we've been learning in the first seven chapters, what the Lord is doing is saying, on top of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary and shedding his blood for you, uh, making that atonement, there's another element here that we need to discuss. And that's that spirit that God puts inside of you. It's a powerful truth. In fact, I could teach many Sundays just on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and it would be a blessing to us, but I'm going to stick to the text in relation to this. The first thing we looked at last week was that the law of the Spirit of life uh, removes condemnation. And he does that, like I was talking about being baptized into the body of Christ. And we know that the example in the Old Testament, it's talking about Noah's Ark. And how that eight souls were saved because they were in the ark. And in the same way for us, we're saved because we're in the ark. We're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you can't be saved. you got to be in Christ. He is our ark. Amen? When the rain falls and the storm comes and all the judgment is happening around us, we'll be safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Jude, it talks about being preserved in Christ Jesus. And so that phrase, if you'll do a study in your, in your scriptures and look up the phrase, in Christ Jesus or in Christ, you'll find some wonderful truth in many of, especially the Apostle Paul, in the letters that he wrote, uh, but what it means to be in Christ and what that means to us. And so what that means to us initially here is that the law of the Spirit of life places us into the Lord Jesus Christ, which means that now There is no condemnation Uh, in the Noah's day. Condemnation happened to those outside of the ark. If you're not saved, there's no escape. There will be judgment. And so that's why I implore you today, if you don't know if you're saved, if you don't know that you're born again, please make sure today is the day of your salvation. Come to Christ. Be safely placed into the body of Christ. And that way you can know that when you die, You're safe in the arms of Christ. Amen. Uh, What a great truth for us. Today I'm going to move on to another uh, subject. I'll read a couple of passages here first in chapter 8, verse number 1. And we'll read through this. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it is weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And that's going to be the emphasis of my message today, looking at this aspect of the law of the Spirit of life, is that he fulfills righteousness in us. Fulfills righteousness in us. And you got to be careful because there's all kinds of uh, thoughts out there and doctrines out there 
where they try to separate salvation from righteousness, where they try to separate the spirit of God from righteousness. And I'm sorry, you can't. Uh, they're just two sides to the same coin. Amen. And so I want to talk a bit about that today. Now, the only thing is, you know <clears throat> that you cannot do enough righteousness to be saved. And that's why it says in that other passage, look in verse 3, it says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. So the Bible says that no flesh shall be justified. So if you're going to try to do right in your flesh, and you're going to say, hey, I'm just going to obey God and just do my best and follow the Lord, and God's going to accept me because of that. I'm sorry, the Bible already tells you that you're too weak. You're, you failed. You can't do it. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to be right. <laughs> that doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to be filled with righteousness. <clears throat> it just means that you can't fill yourself with righteousness. You have none of your own. It has to be given to you. And that's what we're going to talk about today in relation to the law of the spirit of life. And so where was I here? Verse number five, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I just, want to, I just want to let you in on something here. If your mind is not given over to spiritual things, I'm going to tell you something. You're not a happy person. I mean, you have moments of happiness where, oh, we get to go to a party today. Or we get to, you know, I got a good check in the mail. You know, and you get this fleeting moments. But you, you don't live a life of joy. See, there's no way that the carnal mind can produce life and peace. That's only through the spiritual mind. That means as you give yourself to the things of God, he will give you fulfillment in your heart. He will give you a true life and he will give you peace in your heart. Amen. You're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it in the bottle. You're not going to find it in that weed. You're not going to find it in the drugs. You're not going to find it in friendships. <clears throat> You're not going to find it in a relationship with a boy or a girl or any of those things. I'm sorry, it'll come up flat at the end. Because through the flesh, your flesh is too weak. You can't do it. Happiness and joy have to come through the law of the spirit of life as he works in you and fills you with his righteousness. And that's so important. Anyways, let's move on here. It says this. <clears throat> this is an important verse here. And so then they that are in the flesh, in verse 8, cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so that be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now that's a blessing. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. That means we owe something. We're obligated not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, he shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let's pray. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would just bless this message. I pray it would make sense that you'd be able to help me to bring across the truth that the folks need today. And I pray, Lord, we become stronger as a result.
If there's someone here without Christ, I pray today they'd be saved. Lord, help us, Lord, to live the right life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so moving on here, we looked at the spirit of life removes condemnation. But now I want to look at how the spirit of life indwells the believer. Notice at the end of what I just read you there, it says this, and I want to go to the end first because I want to set out something here so your mind is on the right track. Verse 8, it says this, So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Guess who that is? That is everybody that has ever walked the face of this planet except for one person, and that is Jesus Christ. Every one of us were born in the flesh. And there was no way in the flesh that you could please God. You can try to please God. You can pretend you're pleasing God. You can tell everybody else you're pleasing God. There's only one person that's not convinced, and that's God. Because he's not pleased with you. Folks, we need to get one thing right out out in the open here. There's one thing that pleases God the Father. You know what that is? That's his son. Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that pleases the Father. That's why it's so important for you to be put in to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why after you've been placed into Christ, it's so important for you to live a life of faith following the faith of Christ. Because as you do those things that his son does, then the Father says, I'm pleased with that. Because that's my son. But if you're trying to pave your own way here, you're trying to go to God and say, hey, you need to take me for who I am. He says, sorry, I can't do that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father except by me. It's got to be through Christ. So if you've never received Christ as your Savior, it doesn't matter what you do. You could go to church every day of your life. You could help everybody you see across the street. You could buy groceries for all the poor of the world, and you still have accomplished nothing. The only thing that pleases God is his son. Amen? It's his son. And so, (coughs) if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. Look at verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. That means live in you, reside in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So, right off the bat, we got to think about this. If you don't have the spirit of God inside of you, you do not belong to God. But, if you have his spirit in you, you belong to him. The Bible says you belong to him. Amen. In fact, I might have a verse here on that somewhere. Well, I'll get to that. Oh, here it is. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He owns you. I remember I talked to someone once and I said, you know what, you're owned by God. Oh, we're not owned by God. I said, yes, you are if you're saved. You know what that means is, That means if I own my truck, guess where that truck's going to be, wherever I want it to be. That truck's going to go as fast as I want it to go. It's going to go in the direction that I want it to go in. I'm going to keep washing that truck. I'm going to keep fixing that truck because I'm driving that truck. 
because it's my truck. Now, you can come to me and say, I want your truck. And I'll say, no, you're not going to get my truck because it's my truck. And the devil will say, I want you. And the God will say, no, that's my sinner over there. <laughs> that's mine. I bought that person with a price, the price of my son. And for you to buy him back, you'd have to come up with your own son of God, and you can't. You don't have that value. Only Jesus Christ has the value of his blood that he paid for your sin. Amen. He bought you. That's why at the end of that verse it says, we are debtors, not to live after the flesh, but to allow the Spirit of God to mortify the deeds of our body. So in other words, we're under an obligation because we've been bought by God. And that's what it says in this passage. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Which means you're not your own. God bought you. So now you're under an obligation to allow him to make you what he wants you to be. He wants to change you. And that means mortify the deeds of your body. Because remember, that is your problem. Remember on Wednesday, we talked about that? Spirit, soul, body. God wants to work through our spirit, through our soul, outer body. The devil wants to put pressure on our body and try to get us to make decisions apart from the spirit. So the Bible says, mortify the deeds of the body. That's your problem. Your problem is your body is calling all your shots. Many people <clears throat> aren't faithful to God because of their body. They don't go to church because of their body. They don't work hard because of their body. On the job, they're the worst employee. Why? Because of their body. I'm not saying because they can't work. I'm saying because they're lazy. Because they don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're not, your body's not being pampered. Amen? The world today, the message is pamper your body. God says, no, kill the body. Kill the deeds of the body. We need to become spiritual people. That means to be spiritually minded. Then we have life and peace. But if you allow your body to control your life, you're never going to be at peace. You're never going to be happy. Amen? And so that's the process that we're in right now. And so the spirit of life indwells the believer. If you're in the flesh, you're lost. If you're in the spirit, you're saved. So if you're here today, you say, I remember a time where I saw my sin for what it was, and I trusted Christ, and what he did on that cross was for me. And I received him as my savior. Well, can I tell you something? Because of that, he placed his spirit inside of you. But do you understand? The spirit just can't go into the heart without the atonement. See, every time in the Old Testament, before the glory came upon the temple, they had to go in there with the blood first. They had to sprinkle the blood. <clears throat> they consecrated the temple. And then the glory settled into the temple. And that's why you have to have the blood applied first. You've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to trust in what he did on the cross. And because of that, now God can take up residence in your soul, in your spirit. If it wouldn't be for the blood, he couldn't do that. Amen? That's why we live in great times today. <laughs> that you can actually have the indwelling of the spirit of God. If you look at the Old Testament, remember David? The Bible says that the spirit came upon him. Remember Samson? Whenever he would do something great, the spirit came upon him, but then the spirit would come off. Saul, he'd have the spirit on him, then he had a bad attitude, and the spirit came off. But do you understand, as a believer today, the Holy Spirit is in you. He never leaves you. Because the blood has been applied. 
So even though your soul is corrupt, even though your body is corrupt, he's got a, a, a place in your spirit that is perfectly sanctified for him to live. But he doesn't want to just stay in that spirit and just be happy living in you. He wants to control you. He wants to fill you. See, the doctrine of indwelling of the spirit is different than the doctrine of the filling of the spirit. I was talking to someone last week about that. You know, indwelling of the spirit is when he comes in and lives in you. The filling of the spirit, or, or it's when, <laughs> when, when you have him, the filling of the spirit is when he has you. So if you look at your soul as a house, he's living in your house. But many of us, he's only got into the porch area. He's all there, but he doesn't have all of you. And so he convicts you and he knocks on you. He says, why don't you give me your work life? Well, I don't bring Jesus to work. <clears throat> I don't let the Lord, you know, I don't bring my Bible and read my Bible and witness to coworkers and <clears throat> be what I need to be on the job. I laugh at the dirty jokes because I just want to be a part of the crew. No, sir. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't like that kind of thing. And so what he does is he keeps bugging you about it. He says, no, no, I want your work life. And he's going to keep putting pressure on you until you open that door like a gentleman and say, you're welcome to come in. He's not going to force the door open. Many Christians will go their whole life having the indwelling of the Spirit of God, but they will go their whole life without having the Spirit of God fill them. And then he eyes out your kitchen, all those dirty pots and pans. He says, we need to clean that up. He wants your bedroom he wants your closets. All the skeletons in there. Oh, yeah, well, Lord, yeah, I'm glad you're with me, but, I, you know, those things of the past, we don't need to deal with that. He says, I need them. See, because if you don't give him all of your house, he cannot glorify himself in all of your house. And the Bible says that you're under an obligation. You're under, under an obligation that you glorify him in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Amen. He's bought the house. He's the only landlord that buys the property and then waits for permission to come in. He's not going to force his way into your life. He'll let you live till your dying day, miserable as can be. But he'll keep bugging you a bit. He'll keep prodding you. Hey, remember me? You know that trouble you're going through right now? If you would have let me clean up that room... You wouldn't be going through that right now. If you had given me that relationship. No, you didn't want me to sanctify your relationships. I'll have the friends that I want to have. Well, how about having the friends that God wants you to have because he owns you. Because he knows that's the only way you're going to have a life of peace. He knows the danger. He doesn't control you so he can mess with you. He wants to control your life so he can bless you. So he can fill you and has his presence can be noticeable in your life and you can be a good witness for him. Amen? So being in the spirit is when you're saved and God's spirit is in you. Are you in the spirit today? I sure hope you are. If you're not in the spirit, that means that you need to be born again. And that's a work of the spirit as well. It's called regeneration. You find that in the book of Titus. The washing of regeneration. See, that's why sometimes before we get saved, we think, oh, I don't know how fun it would be in heaven anyways. All we can think of playing harp up there or something. I don't even like the harp. 
See, it's because you haven't been sanctified. You don't see all the blessings that are there for you. I'm so glad I left in the flesh behind. I'm glad I'm in the spirit today. Since 1995, I've been in the spirit. Have I done right since then? No, I've messed up quite often. It hasn't changed my position. He's still indwelling me. He's never left me for one moment, no matter how bad I've been. He's always been there every day. Amen. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. The Bible says that we should be the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So the ultimate end of this, he wants you to be the praise to his glory to this world. But the first thing that had to happen is you need to trust in Christ. Then he gives you an explanation of that. It says, in whom you trusted after that you heard the word of truth. It didn't happen because you just had a funny feeling one day or you had some experience in the mountains or you had some, you know, uh, oh, there must be a higher power and you had this experience. Folks, that's not how a person gets saved. The Bible says you get saved when you hear the word of truth. And then he explains that. He says the gospel of your salvation. And we know about 1 Corinthians 15. It says that the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So you can have all the experiences you want about being in the middle of the ocean and wow, isn't this wonderful and seeing the majestic things that God has created, but that doesn't save you. (laughs) I've had some people come to me and that's how they explain their salvation. Well, I had this experience. Well, the Bible says that if you trust Christ, that means that you first heard the word of truth, the gospel. Have you ever heard somebody preach about how Jesus died for your sins and that he was buried and that the third day he rose up victoriously from the grave? Has anybody ever told you that that same Jesus is that very God of heaven? That's why the Bible called his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Or is he just an angel to you? Is he just a man or just a prophet? Sorry. He has to be God to you. It's a powerful thing when God takes on flesh so that he can die in the flesh to pay for your sins. That's what he did for you. That's the gospel. It's the good news. Not only that he died, but that he rose again. What does it matter that he rose again? Because the Bible says, Thou hast not suffered thine holy one to see corruption. See, it proved that he was the holy one of heaven. When he broke through the barrier of death, which no man has ever done. And I understand that there was Lazarus. He called him up. But remember, Lazarus still had to die again. He was still in his old body. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the first fruits. That he's the first one that broke through that veil of death. And he did that so he could pave a road for all of us to follow him. Jesus Christ did that for us. It says the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believe. So when you heard in your heart, you believe. But it's not just, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I don't discount that. No, it's talking about trusting. In in Romans chapter 10, it talks about trusting in your heart. If you believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can have all kinds of Sunday school lessons taught to you, but that's not going to save you. It's got to sink from here down to here. This is where you love. This is where you trust. 
This is what you really believe. <laughs> Not up here. <clears throat> if I were to ask you some questions just to please me, you'll give me all the answers that I want to hear. But that doesn't mean you believe it. Many people, when I'm counseling and I talk to them and I ask them things, they know exactly what to tell me. <laughs> because they're all drawing it from here. They heard all the sermons. They know all the verses. They know everything right up in their mind. But it's not what up, up here that makes a difference in your life. It's what you allow to sink into your heart. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe that you would have gone to hell? That you would have burned in the lake of fire? And then you come to Christ trusting him. You're the only way. Not tacking him off to, onto your religion. Not tack, tacking him on to another thing that you're doing. But, but making him your sole dependence. If it's not for you, Jesus, I'm going to hell. It's what you did on the cross. That's trusting Christ. <clears throat> and whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. See, the moment you believe, the Bible says directly after that, the Holy Spirit just came and took up residence. It's almost like he's waiting. He's just saying, oh, I want to enter in that person. I want to live with this person. But he can't go in until you have faith in the blood of Christ and what he's done for you. When you put faith in that blood, immediately the door just swings wide open and God just, I'm in! And he never leaves you. Never forsakes you. He says, I'm going to seal you. And the Bible says that he's your, which is the earnest of our inheritance. He says, I'm just a little taste of heaven for you. I'm just a little piece of all the things you're going to get one day. And I'm going to keep you safe till that time. <clears throat> you're going to mess up. You're going to do stupid things. You're going to question your own salvation because how stupid things you do. But God says, no, sir. When I seal, I seal. And the Bible says, which is the earnest of your inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession. Well, I'm scared I've lost my salvation. How is that possible if he sealed you until the day of redemption? The day of redemption has not happened yet. You know what day that is? That's the rapture. More specifically, that's the resurrection of your body. That's the completion of your salvation. See, you're not fully saved yet, even though you are. You're sealed in your spirit. I mean... He's not leaving you. He's with you forever. But then you got this crazy mind, <laughs> you know. You got this heart that loves things that ought not love. And you got this will that chooses things that ought not choose. And so what's happening is because of the spirits in you, he's, he's working in your soul. He's saying, I'm trying to save your soul. That doesn't mean that, he's, that you need to be born again again. It just means that you're not fully finished yet. He starts by indwelling your spirit. Then he comes into your soul by your permission, into your house, and you, he, he changes your mind about things. That's why you can't afford to be stubborn. You've got to give yourself the truth because that's the only way you're going to change. And then he finishes it off by dealing with our body. Spirit, soul, body. 
starts in the spirit, ends with the body. And he says, this whole process, he says, I'm going to be with you, sealed unto the day of redemption. So what we're talking about today is a spirit, the spirit of life that came inside of us. He says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. So you know what? He, he wants you to change. He wants your life to change. Now, in order to get into heaven, you have to have imputed righteousness. Remember we talked about what imputed righteousness means? It means righteousness that has been charged to you, charged to your account. It's been given as a gift. So for you to stand before God, you've got to be perfect. Anybody, you perfect yet? So not me, preacher, practically. But you know, positionally you are. Positionally, he's already given you the righteousness that you can stand before God because you are in him. When you're in Christ, all the father sees is his son. The devil says <clears throat> to the father, says, oh, that old Jeff Friesen down there, he's just a no good sinner. Look, how, look at the stupid things he's doing. And the father looks down and his son gets in the way. And the father looks, he says, I just see Jesus there. See, it's imputed to me through Jesus Christ. But now this imputed righteousness that's imputed to me, the Spirit of God says, now I want to take that imputation and I want to impart it. I want to bring it into your soul. I want to change your thinking. I want to change your actions. I want to change your affections. All those things. Your position's the same. See, why would he do that? You know, for me, I think it'd be a lot easier, Lord, if, he, if I were to get saved, why didn't you just take me to heaven right away? I mean, that'd be a lot better for me, <laughs> you know? But you know what he's thinking? He's saying, but there's a lot of people going to hell. And the only way I'm going to reach them is through people like you. So in order for me to reach souls that are going to hell, sure, I can go to heaven and stand before the Lord today, and it's great but there's people that are in the flesh. And so what happens is I need to allow that spirit to begin to work in my heart. That's why the first thing that Jesus said to the disciples says, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. What that means is you're going to have to make a decision, boys. And he starts walking away. Follow me. He doesn't go to them and put a handcuff on them. You're coming with me. He says, choose, choose. Choose to follow me so I can make you someone that reaches these people. That's why I left you on earth. That's why I didn't just take you to heaven when you got saved. You're not there to just build a bank account. You're not there just to get a good job and hopefully I can get a good retirement fund. Your prime purpose down here is to glorify God and that purpose is there so that the lost can be saved through you, the purchased possession. Amen? Before the redemption. <laughs> Before he comes to pick up his property. Amen? So he's given us his time. What are we doing with it? The spirit of life was given to us to fulfill righteousness in us. So a lot of people, they just say, well, I've received Christ. I'm great. I'm happy. I'm just going to live life and just la-di-da. Let's all worship Jesus together. You need to understand something. He didn't just leave you here 
to stay as you are. He wants to change you. I'm so glad the Lord changed me. Oh, he should have seen me. What a mess. What a mess. And I got saved. You know, I was still a mess. <laughs> I was just a saved mess. But he was inside of me. He began to work. He began to do things and pull and push and stretch and, <laughs> you know, wash and scrub. And he changed my life. He got me to such a point where he, he, he showed me that there was a purpose for my life. That really just blew me away that I actually had a purpose. And it wasn't just to go make money and to try to get a house and to have a family. I mean, all those things are great things, but that's not my, my ultimate purpose. Is I want you to preach the gospel so that people can be saved. And every Sunday morning when I see, see people walk in here or whenever I can tell somebody about Jesus, I'm in awe of the fact that God changed me where he can use me to tell someone else about what he has done for them. I think that was one of the blessings about having some of these tradesmen at the building, the, the flooring guy and different guys, because you can talk to them about Christ. Oh, I just talked to that one guy. He says, you know, you really need to trust Christ. He made it very clear that he was doing it, that he was trying to work his way. I think we just got to be good enough. He says, no, sir. You're not good enough. You've got to trust Christ. And that, a little while later, I went up to him. I said, remember what we talked about? I said, just, could you please think about that? Could you please just think about that? Think about what he's done for you. Now, I don't know. He probably thought I was a lunatic. I don't know what he thought. But it doesn't matter. That's why I'm here. That's why you're left here. If you're in the spirit, you are here so he can fulfill his righteousness in you. The right way, the right thing. Amen. Now, I just got to skip through a lot of verses here. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 8, it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Oh yeah, those are those Christians. They're so legalistic. They're always trying to judge everything. And the Bible tells us that's a fruit of the Spirit. In all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord, what the Lord deems as acceptable. Yet we've been taught by Christianity today, oh no, that's just judging. No, we don't judge no more. The Bible says that the spiritual man judgeth all things. I tell people, if you don't love people, you won't judge them. You won't judge things. I'm not talking about judging people. I'm talking about judging things. But people don't want you judging things either. You just talk about their music for a while. Ooh. Preacher, that's judgmental. Sure is. The Bible says if I have the Holy Spirit of God in me, that I'll prove all things, whether they're acceptable. See, that's the way that you live right. 
I mean, if you're not going to change the things in your life, folks, do you understand that when you got saved, you were in a, basically in a big barrel of garbage? Like, I think Christians want to just kind of stay in the garbage and just say, I'm saved. The Lord says, no, 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 no. I saved you to change you. The first thing I want you to admit is that garbage that's around you. I want you to prove it. Is that good for you? Folks, there's something wrong if after you get saved that your music hasn't changed. I was in a rock band. I played for several years. I don't listen to that anymore. I don't play that anymore. The Lord changed me. In fact, I don't just do it because of preference. I do it because I know it's not approved of God. And yet Christians are over and over listening to the wrong music because they don't, they, they don't allow the Spirit of God to fulfill the righteousness of the Lord in them. <coughs> that's just one example. And I use that example because <laughs> that's the one you're going to get mad about. You get mad about that stuff. You know, just like I said, your spirit soul, and body. There's melody, harmony, and rhythm. Each one of those three associated with three parts of man. God created music that way. But in the same way that the devil wants you to have your body calling the shots is the same way that the devil uses music through rhythm to influence your heart and mind. That's a scriptural principle. I haven't even talked about styles yet, but just saying that will already reveal your style. You understand that? Well, I never knew that, preacher. Well, that's because when you, gotta get, when you get saved, you got to start taking the Christian life seriously. you got to start judging things and proving whether this is really why God created you in the first place. Does he want you to be a part of that? Because the Bible says proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So you use principles, Bible principles to do that. He wants the spirit to be your master. That associates with the melody. It says, it says, be filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So when he was talking about being filled with the spirit, he's bringing up melody. <laughs> do you realize that the people on the Mayflower... When they came across the ocean, they wouldn't even sing harmony on the Lord's Day. They wouldn't even sing harmony. They only sang melody on the Lord's Day. That's how much they wanted to glorify the Lord. Everybody here can sing melody. Not many of us can sing harmony. But I'll tell you something. You put a rock beat on, some of these little kids that have never heard music before, they'll start dancing. It bypasses your mind. It controls them. That's what the devil does. So the Lord takes you to the other end. He says, emphasize the melody. Amen? In fact, the, the, the word rhythm, the Greek word for that is simply rail, which means pulse. So basically, the rhythm of music is simply the pulse of the music. How many of you have a pulse here today? How many of you can feel your pulse right now? I can't. And I'm the one doing the most work up here, and I still can't feel my pulse. And that's where your music ought to be. Your music carries along. 
But if your pulse is stronger than your melody, you're sick. You're sitting there and, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can feel my pulse. We should get you to the doctor. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's principles of creation. That's God created that. He created in threes. The Bible says that the Godhead is revealed in creation. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all in threes. Melody, harmony, rhythm. God created that. But he created that to be in the right, in the right order. Amen? Same way we live our life. Strong spiritually. Submitting in our soul to the melody. The harmony blends with the melody. The melody is predominant. The rhythm is in subjection. <clears throat> Any orchestra is made up of 2 to 3% rhythm section. 2 to 3%. The rest is melody and harmony. Rock music, 85% rhythm. Dance music, 95% rhythm. Christian rock, 80% rhythm. Sorry, guys. You can do what you want. But when I meet God, I want to know that I've allowed the spirit of life to work in me and change me. And I used to play that music. Somebody once told me, he says, oh, the only reason you're against that, because you had a bad trip. I <laughs> said, bad trip. My life was a bad trip. <clears throat> no, I'll tell you something. That music, my flesh still loves it. Bad trip. You know, we heard some Christian rock market marketer on, on infomercials. That's what they say. No, the reason why I, I let it go is not because my flesh didn't like it. It's because I knew that God didn't like it. And I used to walk according to the flesh. I used to walk in the flesh. According to the course of this world, and I gave myself 100% towards it, but he saved me. And now I'm walking after the Spirit. So even though my flesh likes some of that music, I submit in my spirit to God so that he can work his righteousness through my life. So you can make all the excuses you want about what you like and what you want to do. You don't have to convince me. You're going to meet him one day. You, can, you could convince me. Come up here, plead your case. Oh, yeah. Well, let's all go buy rock music now. And you know what God would say? You're all wrong. You can convince everybody in your life it's still wrong. Majority does not rule with God. God rules with God. Amen? And that's just one example. I just use music. <laughs> now, what about every other part of your life? Well, I've never really thought about it. And that's why you've got to be careful. God cannot use you until you start allowing him to change you in your heart and mind. He has to change your... You have to be willing to take your whole life and put it up to the light of the word of God. And if you're scared to do that, you've just put the brakes on for your Christian life. You can come to church. You can sit there. You can say amen. You can sing along with everybody else. But you're making no difference. The lost remain lost. Your co-workers don't know the difference between you, Adam, or Hitler. 
they should know the difference, at least between you and Hitler. You understand that? But we as Christians here are called to be as lights to this world. It says to walk as children of light. When you walk into the workplace, you ought to be a light there. They ought to see this guy is different. They ought not curse around you. And then when they do, they say, oh, I'm sorry. And what you don't say is that's okay. People say sorry when they curse around me. I look at them. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. I don't say it's okay to kind of get a pat on the back and stay with the boys. <laughs> it's wickedness. You never put your stamp on wickedness. Amen? But you do tell them you love them. You do tell them about Christ. And you give them your testimony. You tell them what you used to be. Not in detail. You don't glorify sin. You just... Tell them, this is what I used to, I used to be. He's a rock musician, man. I used to be miserable. Man, I can't tell you how many times I thought about suicide. Because that's what rock and roll gets you, by the way. But then you tell them what Jesus did. You tell them about that time when you heard the gospel and finally you made sense that you were lost you need to be saved. You tell them how you gave yourself and you came and bowed your knee, your, your heart to the Lord and you received Christ. Then you give them the third part. And that's what Jesus is doing now in your life. You start telling them the blessings of what's happened since you've been saved. How he's helped you through the trials and the battles. How he's blessed you with family and of church family and the word of God and promises. You want to be a light? You got to allow that spirit of life to put his righteousness in your life what I used to be, what happened to me, and how God has blessed me. You don't hang around here and say, oh yeah, the good old days. No, sir. That was the days of damnation. If I had had my last breath, I would have slipped into that, that place called hell. And I'd be there to this day. I don't glorify in that lifestyle. I don't glorify in, in the steps that I made there or the course that I was walking. When I got saved, he pulled me out of that and he says, here, I got a new way for you. I sure hope you know that way. Spirit of life. Christian, let me ask you this. Are you allowing the Lord to change you? Are you allowing the spirit of life to take control of your soul? Change your, are you taking your music and saying, should I be listening to this stuff? Are you taking your entertainment and saying, should I be listening to this stuff? Are you looking at your friend group and saying, should I be hanging around these people? I'm not saying you don't love them. I'm not saying they don't need to be saved. But folks, Jesus didn't just go hang around with sinners for the sake of hanging around with sinners. When he ate with the publicans and sinners, they all got up from the table saved. Okay, so just hanging around with people, barbecuing with, with wickedness, that's not God's plan for you. But if you go and sit down with somebody because you're giving them the gospel, well, that's another thing. You understand? Are you holding your work schedule up to the word of God? Well, a person's got to work. Really? What does the Bible say about that? Sure, you've got to work. But what you're saying is, I can forsake the Lord because if I don't, then I won't be taken care of. When the Lord says, 
give me this day my daily bread. He says, take no thought for your life. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He's given you all those promises. Is that what you're talking about? Well, no, God gave me a brain. (laughs) Well, by the looks of it, it's not a very good one because you're making bad choices. Turn your heart to the Bible. Turn your heart to the truth. You're scared you're going to starve to death if you follow God. You're scared that things are going to go all wrong because I'm going to follow the promises of God, the one that holds the breath in your hands, in his hands. One that made the universe. The Bible says the universe fits in his hand from here to here. Yeah, I don't know if I can depend upon someone like that. Well, who are you going to depend upon? Your boss? Your paycheck? That's why the world's got the picket signs. Job security, job security. Then what happens? Oh, yeah, let's sign a contract next year. Job security. (laughs) You never get job security until you put your security in God himself. Something I know as a Christian, if I lose my job and I've done right, then God's just got something better for me. Y'all worried about we're going to starve to death. Well, look down. (laughs) Hasn't happened yet. (laughs) I don't see too many starving people. We're all pretty healthy here today. And you can thank God for it. Thank God for it.